How do you want to retire? If it's with confidence, then you've come to the right place. Unlock your financial future with Ben and Caitlin Schrock, founders of BA Schrock Financial Group. I'm Ben Schrock and joined with me today is our Chief Investment Officer, Keith Lockwood. Keith, welcome. Thank you. We uh, finally got him back on. I think it's been, uh, I don't know, Keith, probably a year or two. Yeah, that's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome back. And we're excited today to talk about um, our lift strategy. So we're going to break it down in a four-part series today. We're going to give you kind of a brief brief overview um, as life insurance is a financial tool and and why we view life insurance here as an asset class. So we're going to dive in a little bit deeper and talk more today about uh, our viewpoints of life insurance. I'm going to queue up some questions for Keith and and talking about that as, as how we view it here in our office as an asset class. So before we get into you know that Keith and, and talking strictly about life insurance, what what is the what are the normal asset classes out there when, when people you know think about that or people in our, our seats typically talk about asset classes? What are they usually talking about? Yeah, right. I mean, we see it all the time you know, our clients come in or potential clients, you ask them, okay, what assets do you have? Right. So they're going to list their 401k, their IRA, their, their, you know, deferred comp plans, maybe their pensions, you know, their house or even, you know, their RV, you know, stuff like that, you know, and, and bank accounts and then just stocks and mutual funds. You know, how many times has somebody said, well, I have a life insurance policy that's worth X, Y, Z as an asset. You know, that's something we, rarely here i won't say never but you know it's it's up there um so it's kind of going about how do we get people to understand that it is an asset and how we can use it as an asset class and how it can affect your financial situation right and and i think usually in in our um like in our appointment process it's it's funny when life insurance tends to be an afterthought and, and sometimes we're guilty of that too right it's something that you know, upon the first meeting, we're talking about all the stuff that we can provide and do. And we talk about, like you said, the assets that that generally people think of that count towards their net worth. Rarely do we hear, yeah, I got this life insurance policy. And so sometimes we skip over and then we have to come back full circle and discuss that that, um, that highly um, favorable topic. Right. Because it's not a, not a pretty investment, not a fun thing to look at. And, and really, is it something that you see a lot, Keith, or, or something that that we look at as, as a missed opportunity for most? Yeah, I mean, it's a missed opportunity for most. And you see, you know, the Limra stuff, the statistics that they put out where, you know, most people say, yeah, I know I need more life insurance. You know, it's about 70, 70% say, yeah, I know I need more. And then you look at the other side of it, they say, well, only about 25 or 30% of people actually have it. So mm-hmm. it's a huge miss. Why are the statistics like that? You know, and you look at it, probably a few things. One, people don't think about it sure. until they need it either somebody close to them or Mm -hmm. a situation close to them or you know they just have a hard time grasping how it works what it is because there there are a lot of different ones out there and it can be confusing and the last thing is i mean you say life insurance and it's immediately negative right Right. it's a negative word it's a negative phrase it's not fun to talk about um you know and i tell people all the time i won't bring it up if you can Mm -hmm. tell me the day before you're going to die and the day before you're going to become uninsurable. Sure. I mean, if you can tell me those two things and we won't worry about right. it until those days. <laughs> um, so, but unfortunately that's not the case. And you know, with life insurance, right? Tax, tax, taxes and death, right? I mean, sure. those are the two things we know not fun again on either, <laughs> on either end, right. but 
uh, a necessary evil. So, and, and typically, do we see it like in our line of work with uh, you know people that have debt, right? So I think that's probably the most common place to start um, when you look at this uh, young married couple or you're buying a house for the first time, and and you have all this debt, um, working our way down to pay that off. It's it's you know the responsible thing to do to get life insurance, but. What else, why else do people buy it, you know, or, or what are some of the different strategies that, that we're using here at, at our office um, to help people uh, around the, the topic of life insurance outside of just, okay, your typical debt planning strategies? Right, yeah, it's, it's underutilized as an asset class and as an asset tool and a financial planning tool. Um, you know, obviously what you just said with the, I need it because I got young kids or I have debt, you know, and then we hear, well, I don't need it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, my kids are out of college, the house is paid off, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or they let, but, like, by that term, right? They right, let yeah. that term yeah. expire and then, okay, yeah, I'm good. I don't need it anymore. Right. Um, but, you know, you look at it more of an estate planning uh, side of things, and I don't mean that as in you have to have a huge estate to need it. I'm mm-hmm. saying, you know, you can prepay your heirs' taxes, right? If somebody has a lot of pre-tax money, a lot of money in 401Ks or IRAs or 403Bs, you know, when that money passes down, it's fully taxable. And, and the tax law changes here about a year, what, a year ago, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. Um, you know, passing down, they got to get that money on 10 years now. Right. You know, they can't stretch that out over their lifetime. So that's a huge hit to an estate. Yeah. Right. And you, you hear it all the time, right? I want to prepay my funeral, right? right? right so again, yeah. the two most common, I should have said two most common debt, and then I'm going to cover my funeral expenses. And and, and typically, I, I, I struggle with that one, you know, mentally, because I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, if you got 10, 20 grand sitting in the checking savings, or you got investable assets out there, you're plenty liquid to just write a check for your, your funeral home. But a lot of people just go ahead and do that. So why not take that same concept and, and instead of prepaying your funeral or in addition to prepaying your funeral, prepay the heirs' taxes, right? That's a concept that we discussed here in the office not too long ago. We love the the way that that sounded, and, and I think that's a, a great way to, to look at life insurance as a financial tool uh, right along in line with our lift strategies. Right, and if you look at it, you know, I'm allowed to say this word. It's the only time <laughs> we can say guarantee, right? You know, so if I put in the premium, I know what my guaranteed return is as long as I pay that premium that death benefit is an asset's coming back and it's coming back tax-free. That's the huge part of it. It is a tax-free asset. Um, you know, and then and the other way is for high net worth individuals, those that are mm-hmm. hitting the estate tax uh, limit or near that limit. Um, you know, it's, it's the concept of pennies on the dollar, right? right. So I'm going to buy a, a, a big policy to cover my taxes, you know, million, two million, three million dollar policy. Sure to cover what my estate tax is going to be. And I'm only going to pay a small premium for that. So that's a penny mm-hmm. on a dollar situation. I'm only paying a penny, but my estate's getting back, you know, a dollar. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, on that point real quick too, this is something that, that we're all anticipating right now. The, the state tax is what? 11 11.7 million okay. per individual. Per individual. So married couple, you're looking at almost 23, Three, 24, yeah, million, 24 million, somewhere in that ballpark. But, it's something that we, at least in our office, we speculate on this, but I think it's a safe speculation, right, Keith, that that, that number is going to go down, right? The, the estate tax limit is going to go down, the number in terms of what we're allowed to have. Do you have an idea or what, what are we thinking that it's going to go down to or how yeah, quickly is I mean, it going down? Once this, the current law is sunset, mm-hmm. what, 2025, yeah. um, 
it, it's going down to between five and seven. It'll be five million index for inflation, so it's going to be between five and seven million per person. Per person. Okay. Uh, but then, the, the current, you know, I guess in Congress right now with the, the Democratic proposal, you know, they want that down. I've heard as low as three, and even more so, they want to eliminate the step up in cost basis on on non qualified stocks and investments, which is probably even more of a hit mm-hmm. to the middle middle and upper middle right. um, than it is lowering the estate tax tool. So, Well, and you, you also think of, okay, a lot of times we, we also lose sight of what is in our estate, right? A lot of times it's uh, the most valuable assets, our house, right. right? So when we add that into it, you know, all your investments, uh, life, you know, your death benefit from a life insurance, which we'll talk about in future episodes here about uh, structuring that properly. So, you know, all those things add to that estate. So you, when you start adding it together and say, well, I'm never going to get there. Or you start thinking about it, if it lowers down to 3 million, I'm, I might be close now. Well, did you value your house or your, your second house or your cars or your, your whole right. estate value at all? And a lot of times I think people are shocked to, to know how much they're really worth at that point. Yep. Um, so where else are we seeing it? I know a lot of times we like to look at it um, here in our office as a tool for, you know, long-term care alternative. So we're, we've seen kind of a, a new wave. It's probably been what, about 10, 12 years since they've added these onto these policies and, and kind of uh, added on as a rider um, that, that will help cover long-term care. Is that correct? Yeah, you're, that's probably about right on the time frame. Um, and you're, it's a self-completing plan, mm-hmm. right? You know, people will tell us, well, I don't want long-term care. What if I never need it? And I paid for all this stuff that, that I never used. Okay, then this is, this is the way to go because if you don't need it, then the death benefit is going to your heirs. Or, yeah. you know, you can use the cash value at some point for living expenses and so on and so forth. Uh, but the riders are, you know, full indemnity, at least the ones we use, right. where we don't have to worry about <laughs> you qualifying for certain things to be able to pay for it at certain places, um, which I know we've all run into in this office as far as advisors mm-hmm. um, with some of the old plans uh, where they won't pay for a certain thing because the the home or the assisted living or whatever didn't have the right licenses and certifications. So um, so we use the indemnity plans and, um, you know, it's, a, it's one of those self-completing and it's really, a, it can be used as a living benefit aside from a, just a straight death benefit now, right? We can use that while we're living in a nursing home or, or need the, the care of someone else to, to come in the house or whatever it may be, you know, use that death benefit while we're alive, which is, is kind of a nice uh, feature to these products. And you're protecting your assets while you're alive. Mm-hmm. You know, now you don't have to spend down all your assets. Um, people <laughs> I hear all the time, well, I'm going to get this out of my state where I'm going to do this and I'm going to spend down to that $2,000 mark. Well, that's great in, in thinking, but in reality, I'm not sure you really want to be in a Medicaid bed. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. Um, they tell you where to go. <laughs> right. And it's, it's uh, limited and mm-hmm. you know, the list <laughs> isn't exactly the Taj Mahal of assisted right. living and nursing homes. So, um, that all sounds great in theory, but sometimes, it's got to be practical. Yeah. Um, so this is a way to not have to do that, but also be able to live somewhere where <laughs> your kids say, all right, I'll put you there. Yeah, exactly. 
And the last thing really is um, that, and again, we're going to highlight all these little topics a little bit deeper in, in the next three episodes, um, but but using it as a tax-free income. So um, aside from all the, the doom and gloom with the death benefit talk, you know, how we can use actually the cash value um, down the road for a benefit while we're still alive um, and use it as an income source. So, you know, I, I think that point, uh, Keith, in itself is a is truly a financial tool, you know, when we look at life insurance and, and how that can be structured. Yeah, it's one of only two assets where you can give pull tax-free income off of it. Um, and the other one can be extremely limiting, yeah. depending on your income, how much you want to put away, when you want to use it as far yeah. as age. Um, this, if it's structured correctly, you know, you can maximize the cash value growth. Mm-hmm. That's a It's a beautiful way of creating that tax-free income either for retirement or anything else um, yeah. so it's it's one of the ways that we use you know as well to create that tool perfect yeah and, and wrapping things up here you know we just wanted to give you guys a brief overview of you know life insurance and how we view it and, and in line with our lift strategies that's lift life insurance as a financial tool and how we view it here in the office and in kind of creating its own asset class in itself um, and really, we always revolve back to our unlock process, and, and this kind of falls into the the step number three in our process, where it's learning about your options. So, you know, we, we really want to learn what's out there, learn about life insurance, and, and is it a fit in your plan, and, and where does it, where can it make sense in your plan? So, if you guys have questions about life insurance, or you know, or using it as a financial tool, you can reach out to us here in the office, and, and we can help you implement that into your plan. You can reach us here at 330-473-1060. Again, that's 330-473-1060. Or you can go right to our website, www.bashrock-fg.com. And right there, you can schedule a 30-minute phone call or consultation with us right online. Um, Thank you so much, Keith, for your time. We're looking forward to part two here coming up. Investment advisory services offered through B.A. Schrock Wealth Management, Inc., a registered investment advisor. B.A. Schrock Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to safety, security, or guaranteed lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investment products. Insurance and annuity product guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. BA Schrock Wealth Management is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. You should talk to a qualified professional before making any decisions about your personal situation. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any government agency. This podcast is a paid placement. This show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation.